Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, where mistakes are welcome, nothing is off limits, and growth is championed. I am Sharissa Wood, a practicing dental hygienist who wants to share my passion for all things hygiene and the oral systemic connection to help empower, encourage, and equip you listeners. Bulletproof Hygiene's ultimate goal is to bring knowledge and tools that facilitate optimal patient care, healthy team culture, and professional fulfillment. If you are a growth-minded hygienist or dental professional looking to practice purposeful, profitable hygiene, then you're in the right place. Now, let's dive in and become Bulletproof together. Welcome back to another week of Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. I'm so excited to have you joining us this week. Um, we're going to dig into some fun and interesting concepts today, as usual. And I'm super, super excited to be joined this week by Hallie Brook, who is a who is the founder uh, and CEO of Live Nourished Coaching. She is a certified functional medicine nutrition counselor and a nationally board certified health and wellness coach. She's also a Fox 21 fitness and nutrition expert and a fierce industry advocate. She has built a thriving nationwide functional medicine health coaching practice based on her own personal experience of overcoming serious gastrointestinal issues, including IBS and SIBO. Her education and training all put her in a place where she has built a program that works with clients in all key areas of wellness, including movement, nutrition, mindset, resilience, relationships, and self-care. So without further ado, Hallie, welcome to the show. We are so excited to have you with us today. Carissa, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So will you do me a favor and just share a little bit about your background and how that led to your passion for functional health, wellness, and nutrition? Yeah, absolutely. So the short version of that story is I came out of college way back in the day thinking I was going to do pre-med, ended up doing a two-year teaching stint as kind of like a gap year between college and medical school, and then ended up teaching math in kind of the inner city for nine years. So like hard left turn from where I thought I was going to be. Um, super rewarding career, also the highest stress career I think anyone could ever have, at least in the district that I taught in. And as a result, I ended up super sick, just chronic stress and not taking care of myself and working hundred hours a week, uh, turns out we'll do some things to your body. And so I ended up with, uh, SIBO, although it wasn't diagnosed as SIBO at the time I was just super sick and had all the symptoms. I had dark circles under my eyes. My arms went numb. I got shingles at age 24. Like nobody gets shingles at 24. <laughs> turns out I did, um, all the things. And so I ended up leaving teaching cause I was so stressed and I knew that that had, a big role in what was going on with me. And I kind of stumbled into functional medicine looking for solutions for myself and fell in love with it. And so when I left teaching, I got a degree in personal training because I was like, I just need to do something else that's kind of low pressure. And then I'm learning about functional medicine and about nutrition. And it was my clients who go, oh my gosh, Hallie, you need to go back to school. And so I did. So I went back to school through Institute for Functional Medicine, FMCA Coaching Academy, got a degree in that and kind of slowly pivoted my, my personal training business into what is now a nationwide functional medicine, health coaching practice. And here we love are. it. I yeah. love it. I, I think that the people who have their own story and that's where things, you know, the passion came out of are the ones who are the most successful and are able to connect to people because you have that story to share. So that's, yes. that's incredible. I know at the time you probably didn't think so, but looking back, you know, those dark, those dark clouds have a way of, uh, having a sunshine hiding behind them. And yep. yeah. 
So I'm super excited to have you with us today to discuss the connection between the brain and the gut when it comes to mental health. And as hygienists, we are seeing numerous patients daily that battle anxiety and depression. Um, as you know, there is a large percentage of the population that are taking prescription medications to help address those issues. And in dentistry, we see a lot of side effects of those medications. So mm -hmm. dry mouth is very common, which we know can lead to decay and periodontal disease conditions, as well as TMD and bruxism disorders coming from some of those medications. At Bulletproof, we are all about helping not only our patients, but also our profession as a whole to practice and live in true health and wellness. And I am a big believer in the functional medicine root cause approach to all things health related. So I'm really grateful for your time and professional experience that I'm hoping will help our listeners and their patients take the next step forward. And I want to say so many of our listeners are avid learners and well-educated, but I realize not everyone has heard about or knows about the gut-brain access. Mm -hmm. Will you give us a crash course? I know there's a lot to that, but a crash course <laughs> and help us understand a little more about that connection. Yes, absolutely. So obviously everything is connected in our body, right? That old song, the ankle bones connected to the knee bone, but our gut and our brain are some of the most connected pieces in our body. So as far as large organs that control a lot of functions, they're connected directly by our spinal cord. So they have the fastest uh, communication pathway between our gut and our brain of anything else in our body. Everything else is connected from our spinal cord and then off into secondary nerves. Our brain and our spinal cord are directly connected by the biggest, fastest nerve in our body, our vagus nerve. So that's part one. Part two, um, 95% of our serotonin is actually created in our large intestine, in our GI tract. And so we treat things like anxiety and depression, like it's a brain issue, but most of the time it's actually a gut issue. Um, our brain is the one that uses that serotonin, but it's our gut that creates it. And so things like SSRIs or SNRIs, those are called selective serotonin or selective serotonin and norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, which just mean whatever amount of serotonin and norepinephrine a person's body is creating, those drugs prevent that person's body from reabsorbing them. So the brain can just keep using them. It doesn't actually address the fact that their body didn't have enough of it in the first place. And where is that being created? It's being created in the gut. So obviously anxiety and depression manifest in our brain, but they, they usually start in our gut. Um, another piece is, you know, as an embryo is forming, the specific cluster of cells that form the brain is the same cluster of cells that form the gut. So they are literally created from the same cluster of cells. Obviously all humans are created from two cells, but then they start to differentiate. And what creates our brain is the same thing that creates our gut. And so that gut brain connection is, you know, innate from conception, which is pretty wild. And then there's those other pieces that are less scientific Although we have science to back them up now, things like when you get anxiety, you get kind of the, that fluttery gut, or you can get diarrhea, or you have to go pee, right? That is that is that gut-brain connection um, at taking effect. We often call our gut our first brain because, um, you know less evolved species did have a digestive tract, but they didn't necessarily have a full cerebral cortex. And so all of those pieces together, we know that our brain directly affects our gut and our gut directly affects our brain more than any other organ affects any other organ in our bodies. That's incredible. I did not know some of those facts. So that's really, really cool. So <laughs> Serotonin, it sounds like is a big driver for mental health and wellness. 
Yes. So if the issue is that we're not producing enough serotonin in our gut, talk to us about how we make that a better situation. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we're starting to call depression now is we're starting to call it brain inflammation. Um, So I'll get to the serotonin in a minute, but where does that inflammation come from? Oftentimes that inflammation comes from things like leaky gut, right? We have food particles and fecal matter particles and bacteria particles leaking out of our digestive tract into our body, which is causing a massive inflammatory response on all of our organs. But if our brain starts dealing with inflammation, we're going to deal with depression. So how do we start to ease that? Well, we seal up that gut lining. We rebalance that bacteria so that we don't have a massive inflammatory response going on in our body. Depression decreases because inflammation in the brain decreases. That's part one. Part two is if a person's body isn't creating enough serotonin in the first place, it usually means that there's a dysbiosis of bacteria in their gut. And so the, the things that are in their gut, they might have too much of the bad stuff and not enough of the good stuff, or they have, you know, an overgrowth of candida, which is a kind of a nasty yeast, or they just don't have enough of the good stuff. Even if they don't have an overgrowth of the bad stuff, there's a whole bunch of different things that dysbiosis can be, but basically it means that they don't have the stuff that they need and they have a bunch of stuff that they don't. Um, and so their body and their body isn't able to produce that serotonin because that serotonin is actually produced by our bacteria, not by like cells in our gut. It's produced by the bacteria in our gut. So if we don't have the guys in there who are producing serotonin, then we have a problem. Um, so the step two is to rebalance that dysbiosis. And then step three, there are specific foods, which are really, I mean, it's not rocket science. They're good, healthy, natural foods, but there's specific foods that help our body produce more serotonin. And then there are, there are foods that help our body not produce serotonin. So heal your gut lining that rebalance that dysbiosis, and then feed your body with the things that actually create health and wellness and create serotonin. Awesome. That makes sense. Give me a couple of foods that do create serotonin. Ooh, yeah. Um, good prebiotic fiber. So prebiotic fiber, fiber gets fermented by your colonocytes, that good bacteria. And so anything with prebiotic fiber is going to help produce serotonin. Jicama, asparagus, Brussels sprouts, quinoa, um, are all really, really good ones. Things that are good and they're good and high in both omega threes and in fiber. Things like avocados are amazing. Um, kiwi has a bunch of potassium. That's really good for that. Kiwi actually has more potassium than bananas and more vitamin C than oranges. It should be a superfood. It's just not called one. Um, those are some examples. Nice. And then yeah. what would we want to avoid if we're wanting to produce more serotonin food wise? Yeah. Anything that's going to create inflammation. So fried food, um, anything that you have a food sensitivity to, because those things are going to leak out and cause, uh, that kind of brain inflammation. So any kind of fried food, any kind of processed sugar, processed sugar creates what we call fake energy. Um, serotonin creates that real happy. I'm, I'm doing good energy. So we want to avoid fried food. We want to avoid processed food. We want to avoid, uh, sugar. We really, really, really want to avoid fake sugar. That's a huge one. People go, Oh, I, I'm not going to have sugar. So I'll just have a diet Coke. Nope. Actually that, that fake sugar and that diet Coke you literally, as far as your body is concerned, might as well drink Windex because your body doesn't process that sucralose or that sweet and low or whatever as a food. It processes it as a foreign invader. So every single time you're drinking Diet Coke, your body is having a immune reaction to try to protect you from what it thinks is actually a virus. 
Um, and so, you know, we see a massive link between people who drink a lot of diet soda and autoimmune disease, which then autoimmune disease plays into, you know, depression and anxiety and all those things. So avoid that like the plague. If you're going to drink Coke, please just drink the real Mexican Coke in the glass bottle that actually has sugar. It will be better for you in the long run. Got it. Wow. That's <laughs> all super, super helpful. I do have one quick question. So is there a difference between, because we are hearing a lot, especially post COVID um, incidents, we're hearing a lot about brain fog. Is there a difference between brain fog and depression and anxiety? Is that a different entity? Yeah. Um, they're different. They can be linked. They don't necessarily have to be linked. Okay. So brain fog is, you know, lack of clear thinking. It's hard to remember things. Um, it's hard to stay focused on things. That's brain fog that can come from the same symptoms that anxiety and depression can come from brain, brain inflammation, leaky gut immune responses that can also come from, um, infection. It can come from, um, nutrient deficiencies and come from a whole host of things. So brain fog is when we talk about functional medicine, one of those things we, we call like the root or the, the leaf of the tree, right? Mm -hmm. That's a symptom. That symptom can come from three or four different root causes. But what we want to do is we want to deal with that root cause and it's going to go away. Usually one of those main root causes is gut health. Another one can be hormone health. Another one can be adrenal health. Um, so yes, uh, they're not the same thing. They can be caused by the same thing. And a lot of times people who deal with brain fog also deal with anxiety and depression because brain fog is hard and that's a hard way to live. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So if you have a client that comes to you and they are struggling with something brain related, whether it be the brain fog, the anxiety or the depression, would your first step be to do some testing of the gut to see what's happening? Yeah. Our first step would be to start with our gut. Um, I would say nine times out of 10, what we see is when people are dealing with a brain issue, whether it's anxiety or depression or brain fog or anything else, it's linked to our gut. So when we do a gut healing protocol, we see those symptoms ease significantly. Um, and that is, that is always where we start with brain fog. We'll also probably look at adrenal health and mitochondrial health because brain fog can also be caused by your body's ability to, to produce energy being impaired. Um, but that also often is actually a secondary root cause and the root cause is gut health. So we usually start with gut and see what happens. Got it. Yeah. So I have to say that as hygienists and dental professionals, we get a front row seat to visualizing leaky gut all day long as we stare into the entrance and gateway of the GI tract. And we see it with what we call, and this makes sense, leaky gums. The oh. same thing that happens in the gut is happening in the gums. Um, you know, we see those inflamed, red, easily bleeding, broken down epithelial, epithelial lining tissues. Um, and so we understand that the pathogens that drive oral inflammation and the subsequent immune response spread that process and those toxins into the gut as we swallow up to a thousand times a day. Yep. We also know that these same pathogens have access to the brain as they can, they do have the ability to cross the blood brain barrier. So all of that to say, we do have a really good foundational understanding of how our daily treatments and education and care strategies play into brain health. What we may not get is how by helping patients address leaky gut can also lead to the resolution of leaky gums. We can make a huge improvement in brain and mental health by addressing both simultaneously. Mm -hmm. So you being a health coach, you understand our daily plight 
of trying to help our patients create strategies and goals toward achieving oral health, which leads to total health and wellness. And you understand all of the complexities of helping <laughs> patients comprehend um, all of the complexities and all of the factors involved. And honestly, it can be really overwhelming. And, mm -hmm. and for both we as hygienists who have so much to discuss at each visit and so little time to do it, but also for the patient who has so much going on in their lives and doing another thing seems impossible. So we, you know, when we're having these particular conversations with patients who are drowning in stress, like you talked about for yourself earlier, drowning in stress, drowning in anxiety and depression, the concept of changing something, whether it be big or small, can seem like a daunting task and there's yeah. no energy to even consider it. So talk to us about how to educate our patients on these connections and how to coach and empower them to take those next steps. Yeah, absolutely. So part of the reason, <clears throat> excuse me, part of the reason I went the health coaching path versus just straight nutritionist path is I knew that my knowledge would end at my client's ability to implement that, right? I can give them a perfect nutrition plan. And if you're going to go home on a Tuesday and eat Oreos and spaghetti, my knowledge is entirely worthless to you. And so the real magic is the psychology of behavior change and our, our ability as professionals to help our clients move in the direction of health and wellness, right? So, okay. How do we do that? That was the question. So one of the things that we talk about a lot are two degree shifts. Um, we deal with, we work with a lot of moms who are super busy, right? They've got little kids, they're running to all of the different things. They're running their household. Life is overwhelming. And then I say, okay, and I, now I need you to go on an elimination food plan. <laughs> right. And they go, uh, what? <laughs> Like I can barely eat my kids' mac and cheese leftovers, let alone create a whole new diet, learn how to grocery shop differently. And so we yes. say, okay, um, I'm going to give you an example of a woman that we're working with right now who's kind of in this, this scenario. So we said, okay, you know, in order for you to get well, this is what has to happen for you to heal your gut. And you are so, so right on that gums and skin mimic what's going on in your gut. If you have acne, eczema, and psoriasis, you have leaky gut period. If you have bleeding gums and you're doing all the right things, you're flossing, you have leaky gut. Like our epithelial lining mimics what's happening on the inside. So if you're wondering, how do I find out if I have that? Just look at your skin. Um, total side note, I'll get back to what I'm talking about. Dr. Pimple Popper, mm -hmm. the, the like terrifying YouTube videos. I watch those. And in my head, I'm like, I can fix that. I, you don't, you don't need to go get your pimples popped like that. This, all of this is resolvable. <laughs> Yes. Just by eating differently. Okay. So how do we, how do we change the way that we eat? So, um, we have a client right now who fits this category perfectly overwhelmed mom. Um, she runs a business, so she's super busy and then she's just, life is crazy. And so in order for her to heal her gut, we need to do an elimination food plan. We need to change lifestyle. We need to reduce stress, all of these things. And so what we do is we build what we call a functional medicine game plan. And I like to call that like a stack of stepping stones. If you can picture stepping stones from home Depot, we're going to go from point A to point B with these stepping stones from Home Depot. And one of them is an elimination food plan. And one of them is removing stress, but that's not necessarily where we need to start. So we put all of these stepping stones in front of her. And then we look at her and we say, okay, which of these feels doable right now today? And she goes, well, you know, I don't think I can do a full elimination food plan, but I think I can cut out refined sugar. Awesome. Let's start with that. And so then we do a week of removing refined sugar and we give her 
a hundred recipes to help her do that. We give her a bunch of different things to help her figure out swaps. And then we're there as accountability buddies, you know, texting her throughout the week and messaging her and really holding her hand. It's not just a visit and then go home and like, see you in a week. I hope it works. Um, we're walking with her through that process. And so, you know, she's done that for two weeks now and she comes back to us and she goes, okay, I'm actually feeling better. Cause it's amazing what happens when you cut out sugar. Um, things start to heal. Sugar is a amazingly powerful producer of disease. So she cuts out sugar. She's feeling better. And now because she's feeling better, because we made that one two degree shift. Now she actually has some more bandwidth because she has a little bit more energy. She's feeling a little bit better. And so then we can say, okay, you know, we, we took this one step. Now, what can you do? And so we look back at those stepping stones and she goes, okay, I think I can remove this food. Great. So we go remove dairy and we do that for a week and we give her recipes and we hold her hand and we help her learn how to do that. And now we have two things that are feeling actually pretty normal for her. And so then we say, okay, what can we do next? And so we just do this step-by-step. The step that she's on right now is implementing uh, mindfulness and meditation because stress is such a huge effector. Your body cannot heal if it's stressed. It literally can't. We have science to back that up. If you're, if you are stressed, your body is trying to save you from the saber tooth tiger. It's not trying to repair your gums. It's not trying to repair your gut lining. It's just trying to keep you alive. Um, and so we started with her, we, we got through the whole elimination food plan doing that like one step at a time. And then with mindfulness and reducing her stress, we started with setting an alarm on her phone three times a day. And when that alarm went off, she went, She took a deep breath, one, not three, not 10, one, three times a day. And that's our stepping stone. And now we've gotten to a point where she's doing a five minute morning meditation and she is self-ranking her stress. She used to say it was an eight. Now she's saying it's a four. And so all of these pieces, it's just microscopic two degree shifts that are doable for our clients and that fit with our life. And that each one of those steps gives us a little bit more bandwidth to take the next step, a little bit more energy to take the next step, a little bit more confidence that her body can heal to take that next step. And so, you know, how do we do that as practitioners? We give them the plan and then we say, okay, what can we do? (laughs) And then either we follow up with them if we can, or if we're, you know, a super busy hygienist or a super busy functional medicine doctor, we hire a health coach into our practice to walk them through the everyday process of going to the grocery store and reading labels and doing different things. Yeah, that's awesome. I love the concept of two degree shift because on the flip side of this, as hygienists, we are helping our patients create strategies to improve oral health. But like I said, when they've got a lot going on, that's just, you know, and, and, you know, we talk about baby steps a lot too. You know, I have a patient, you know, many patients who come in and they're like, uh, I'm flossing twice a week. And I'm like, okay, well, why don't, and you could tell that's a lot for them. So I'm like, okay, well, what if, what if we do three times a week and mm-hmm. then we'll just gradually build. And I think that's super, super important, but I, um, have seen clinical evidence of how impactful stress is crazy enough in the mouth and on the gums, because I've seen, you know, I've been practicing for 27 years and I've had patients that I've been seeing for years that maintain and look fantastic. And then they'll come in for a visit and I'm like, this is different. What's changed? Oh. And they're like, nothing, you know, like I'm still doing all the same home care. And I'm, but then we start talking about like what's happening in life and there was a job loss or there was a promotion or there was something going on and life has become extremely stressful. And it's like, oh my gosh, I see it. It's crazy how visual that is. Yes. And so 
I love the concept of what you said is, you know, if they're that stressed, no matter what we do, they're not going to heal well. So it's helping them even with that stress reduction and that stress management and mindfulness. So I love that. It's huge. Yeah. It's, it is such a big deal. The CDC now ranks chronic stress as more toxic than smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. I mean, that's, that's pretty powerful. <laughs> it is. And it's terrifying because, yeah. you know, the number smoking, I feel like has gone down, but yeah. stress levels these days, I don't know anyone that says, oh no, I don't, I don't really have much stress. I mean, yeah. people are, yeah. Yeah. It is through wow. the roof. Yeah. Yeah. So I know, and we see a lot of patients that are dealing with IBS and gut dysbiosis. I've had several patients with SIBO that they've been trying to work on, um, several patients with candida. And obviously that impacts what we are trying to do from the oral aspect. So talk to us about kind of what that looks like. I know you have that personal history. I know that's pretty difficult to clear for some people, the SIBO especially. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have the gift of getting to work with a functional medicine doctor um, so she's helping to ensure that gut health is getting where it needs to be. But there are times when, because we do salivary testing in our practice, when we yeah. see a patient who is loaded with, you know, uh, PG bacteria that we know is so de detrimental to overall health, it's the keystone pathogen. And we may need to utilize a systemic antibiotic just because of how rampant that is. But then you've got to consider what does gut health look like? So talk to us about what we need to know on that front and, and how that looks. Yeah, that is such a great question. So um, SIBO is SIBO can be really hard to kill. There's two different types of, types of SIBO. There's methane producing SIBO, which usually causes constipation. And then there's non-methane SIBO, which usually causes diarrhea. I've seen methane producing SIBO cause diarrhea and non-methane SIBO. It's a weird one. SIBO is a weird thing. Um, and it causes bizarre symptoms. Like so I had SIBO and one of my symptoms was my arms went numb. Like that was a symptom of me having a small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Like SIBO causes weird things. If you have weird symptoms and no one can figure it out, maybe start with SIBO. Um, but you're right. One of the things that can be helpful to kill SIBO is a course of antibiotics because it's just hard to kill otherwise. And I am, I am the person who will, you know, stay away from antibiotics at all possible costs. That is, that is like the last case nuclear bomb kind of medicine. And sometimes just like what you said, it is absolutely necessary to do, but there's a couple things that you can do. So one, um, the U S is the only Western country that doesn't require doctors to prescribe a yeast called Saccharomyces boulardii in conjunction with antibiotics because antibiotics don't kill yeast. They kill bacteria. Sa Saccharomyces boulardii is a beneficial yeast. And so what happens when someone takes a antibiotic is it goes and it wipes out all the bacteria, the good stuff, the bad stuff, all the stuff. And so, yes, it kills the bad bacteria, but it also leaves us really vulnerable to an overgrowth of bad bacteria. A lot of times we'll see people do a round of antibiotics and end up with C. diff because it left, it wiped out all the good stuff. And now you have a dirt lawn. And so all the weeds start growing. And so giving someone some Saccharomyces boulardii, which is a yeast while they're on an antibiotic will kind of help keep some semblance of a lawn, so to speak in their large intestine, um, which can help with beneficial 
bacteria growing back faster. The other thing that bacteria does is bacteria, or sorry, not bacteria, antibiotics. It pokes holes in our gut lining. Our epithelial lining in our GI tract is one cell thick, which is crazy. The skin under your eyes is 30 cells thick. Yeah. Same with our gums. Same, Same with, with our gums. Yeah. I mean, so, so thin. One day I would love to ask God, like of all the design mechanisms, like one, one cell, one cell thick to keep all of our poop in line. Okay. Just explain that one to me. Um, but it's one cell thick. So antibiotics, they poke holes in our gut. So antibiotics cause leaky gut. And so a lot of times, you know, we use an antibiotic to kill off the bad stuff because we really do need it, but then we don't do anything to repair that epithelial lining afterwards. And so a lot of times, one of the things that we ask our clients in an intake is when was your last round of antibiotics and how many rounds of antibiotics have you been on in your life? Obviously people need to ballpark, but, um, if, if that answer is more than three, you have leaky gut. If you have taken antibiotics more than three times, and really it should be one time without doing a full gut repair protocol, your little one cell epithelial lining has ragged edges and has holes in it. And so immediately after finishing that course of antibiotics, we need to go through a full gut healing protocol to repair that mucosal lining, to get good bacteria back in your gut immediately so that you don't end up with dysbiosis and have all the bad stuff grow back. And we need to, we need to repair that epithelial lining. So you don't have holes in it where bacteria and food and poop particles are going to start leaking out and causing all sorts of inflammation and food sensitivities and stuff. So that's a long answer. Um, to say there are some things like SIBO, like, like what you were talking about, where an antibiotic is needed. If we can help our clients get Saccharomyces boulardii with those antibiotics, that can be a huge help. And obviously this is a podcast. So please check with your doctor before you do anything. Right. Um, and also do a full gut healing protocol after your round of antibiotics and you're going to be in really good shape. I love that. Um, Talk to us about candida and the best approach for candida, because obviously, again, G GI, one solid track, you know, we see candida present in the mouth as well. But yeah. there are times where I've seen patients who've told me like, hey, I'm struggling with candida and we don't see that orally. It's not manifested mm -hmm. as thrush in the mouth, but we know it's there. And that plays a role in obviously them being able to fight off what we're doing here. So tell me a little bit about what your protocol is for helping with candida. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, candida is a really nasty one. It's a yeast, right? So an antibiotic is not going to work on a yeast because it's a yeast. Um, and what feeds candida specifically is sugar, not even just refined sugar, also things like fruit, things like carrots. Um, it's just nasty. Every single person actually has candida in our gut. We all have it. Um, it's when that candida gets overgrown and gets out of proportion to the good bacteria. That's when we start to see things. And so, you know, in, in oral health, you'll see thrush. You'll also see things like toenail fungus. Um, you'll see things like women have kind of a weird smell down there and it, it doesn't really have anything to do with their cycle. Um, we also see women and men deal with like itchy genitals. Those are things that often come from candida. Candida is sort of like SIBO, one of those ones that causes weird symptoms that you wouldn't necessarily think come from other places. Athlete's foot is often a sign of candida. If you get athlete's foot and it kind of keeps recurring, you probably have a candida overgrowth. So what do we do? Um, again, we're going to do a full elimination, I'm sorry, a full gut healing protocol. But in that full gut healing protocol, we're going to be making sure that we are eating things that will not feed that bacteria or that, that yeast. So, um, 
a gut healing protocol that is focused on killing candida is a little bit more strict and a little bit more intense than a normal gut healing protocol because fruit is a really good nutrient dense thing, unless you have candida and it's going to feed that candida. And so that candida will rebalance itself and it will die off and it will, you know, other things will grow as long as we're not feeding it. If you keep feeding it, it's going to keep growing. So removing things like fruit, removing all refined sugar, removing the majority of natural sugars for about a 30 day period, while also doing things like, um, oregano oil can have a really good benefit to that. Um, peppermint oil can also be really helpful. Things like fish oil can be really helpful using a probiotic. When, when we say probiotic, most times people think of bacteria, but probiotics are bacteria, yeast, funguses, all of these things. And so getting a probiotic that has a good amount of yeast in it, that yeast, that beneficial yeast will help overgrow that candida and then we'll have a, a rebalanced gut. So um, the process is the same. It's that remove, repair, re-inoculate, rebalance, reintroduce. Um, but it, it just looks a little bit different in terms of what we're cutting out and what we're focusing on to kill a yeast instead of to kill a bacteria. Got it. So walk us through a little bit because taking all of this information and understanding this and understanding that when we see patients with those leaky inflamed gums, mm -hmm. we also automatically know gut is not healthy either. Yep. And so if we're going to start making these recommendations of like, Hey, what I'm seeing here means things aren't healthy here. And I do ask my patients questions, you know, have you been experiencing any constipation or diarrhea or, you know, and people will be, you know, it's an awkward conversation, but if you're just forthright and be like, Hey, this, this is inflammation. There may be some things people are like, Oh, okay. So they're a little more willing to share, but you know, a lot of times that answer is, well, yeah, you know, and sadly that answer a lot of times is, but that's kind of always the case for me, um, which uh -huh. <laughs> as we know, does not mean health. Um, but yep. what, what my question is, is as hygienists and I, and I'm championing hygiene and dentistry moving into a new arena, yes. which is where we embrace the total health aspect because it's so in, intertwined is if we start talking to our patients about, Hey, let's, let's dig in a little bit to what your gut health looks like. Mm -hmm. Tell us how we start that conversation and then help us understand what happens on that process. So that when a patient comes in and shares, Hey, mm -hmm. we're doing this right now, we kind of know a little bit about, Oh yeah, that makes sense. That's, that's how this works. Yeah, totally. Like, like how you can maybe guide a patient through figuring out what's going on in their gut. Well, yeah, just, you know, the conversation with helping them understand the connection, but then say we refer them to a functional nutritionist or a functional yeah. medicine doctor to start looking at that, helping us just understand, I know you talked about a gut healing protocol and yeah. we don't have to get into all the nitty gritty, but just kind of the basic steps of that. So that when yeah. a patient comes back and reports, we're, we're kind of in the know, like, yeah, that's how this works. Yep. Totally. Okay. So a gut healing protocol, and we, we follow the Institute for Functional Medicine guide for that. Um, which I think is the baseline and all of them are going to look similar, but we do the five R's. So it's remove, repair, re-inoculate, rebalance, reintroduce. So remove is that elimination food plan, right? We're going to remove everything that could possibly be causing issues. I like to equate it to, you know, having a cut on your knee. Step one to healing the cut is removing what was cutting it, right? 
Like if you fell on the pavement, you're going to get up off the pavement and then you're going to get all of the little granules out of that, right? If you like accidentally cut it with a knife, you're going to take the knife out, right? So remove is getting the things out that could possibly be causing issues. Um, Then repair is repairing that mucosal lining. So our epithelial lining is one cell thick. It's protected by mucus. That's what's in between that one cell thick skin epithelial lining and all of the stuff that is in our intestinal tract. And so a lot of times high acidic diets, high diets, high in processed food erode that mucosal lining. And so we need to rebuild that mucosal lining one, because your body needs it, but two, because it also kind of works like a bandaid. Um, obviously if you have a cut, a bandaid does not heal your cut, but it protects your cut while your body heals it. And so there's a couple of supplements, things like L-glutamine and, um, an aloe vera that we use to kind of help one rebuild that mucosal lining, but then also help increase it a little bit extra during that gut healing process to work like a bandaid. So that's repair. We need to repair that gut lining. Um, the third one is re-inoculate. So that's where we're working on rebalancing that bacteria. So we're working on potentially killing off the bad stuff, but really we're working on repopulating that person's gut with the good stuff. But, and when I say bacteria, I also mean yeast and fungus, all the good stuff. Um, and then we want to rebalance. So rebalance can look like things like digestive enzymes, but more often it actually looks like lifestyle things. Um, if your body is going to heal, we need to rebalance your sleep. We need to rebalance your stress. We need to rebalance your relationships that are causing that stress. Um, we need to rebalance the things in your life that caused that, that gut dysbiosis and that leaky gut in the first place. And a lot of times people think like, oh, well, it's just food. Nope. (laughs) It is absolutely everything. Um, also things like when it comes to dentistry, one of the questions that we ask on our intake is, have you ever had a root canal? And do you know what kind of amalgams you have in your mouth? Those poorly made amalgams can cause a lot of issues. So that's rebalance. And then it's reintroduce and reintroduces. We're going to start adding the foods in that we removed to see what happens. Um, a lot of times when people try to do a gut healing protocol on their own, they just stop with step one, which is eliminate. Like they take everything out and they go, cool, I'm feeling better. And then if I add it back in, I feel terrible. Well, right. You're feeling terrible because you, you took the knife off of the cut, but you didn't actually let it heal. You still have a gaping wound. And so those five R's remove, repair, re-inoculate, rebalance, and then reintroduce. And that's how we get people healed who can still eat the things that they want to eat and who don't have massive food restrictions. So those are kind of the five steps. Nice. Thank you. That's very, very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I feel like our listeners at this point are thinking, yeah, this all makes so much sense. And I really want to help my patients in this way. Um, but obviously I don't have the time or expertise, and this is where learning, leaning on amazing programs like live nourished coaching comes in. So will you tell us a little bit about your practice and what you offer and how we can connect with you? Yes, absolutely. So our practice, we have two sides of our practice, which I think are really cool. So one, we have direct to patients. So if you have someone who wants to talk to a health coach, you can refer them. And what's really cool about the health coaching license, which is different from any other medical licenses, we can cross state lines, which is crazy. So um, you can refer to Live Nourish Coaching. Just go to our website, click book a consult, and any client from anywhere in the country or the world can come work with us. Um, The second thing, which I think is really cool and maybe even more powerful, is we have basically a health coaching agency model 
where I take my health coaches who are all nationally board certified, incredibly high quality, functionally medicine trained, and I plug them in on the backside of practices so that from your patient's perspective, that health coach is basically working for you because you are a higher level practitioner than a health coach and you see things that we don't see, but we also have, you know, the back to that positive psychology of behavior change, that's where we are the experts. Um, and so you can say, okay, this person needs to like kill off this thrush in their mouth and they need to learn to floss more often. I don't have the time to hold their hand and do that with them on a Tuesday, but a health coach does. And so then we plug them into health coaching inside of your practice in a model that works for them. Um, and we, we, we do health coaching as kind of a collaborative care model. So if you're a practitioner going, man, I just don't have enough time with my patients and my patients need more support. Hiring a health coach is the way to go. Um, and what, what I do as the owner is I do that in, <clears throat> in three different ways. So, um, we have this agency model where we plug health coaches in on the backside of practices. Um, I've also seen a lot of practitioners try hiring a health coach and either not hire a good one, or they don't know how to use a health coach. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it doesn't actually work out. And so um, I'm more than happy to come in and help train medical professionals on how to use a health coach and how to plug that in and how to make it work well. Um, and so those are the two ways you can refer or you can plug a health coach into your practice. And either one is going to dramatically increase patient outcomes because you're going to have that lifestyle support. Yeah, this is super cool information. I love yeah. this. Thanks. Um, and I'm, and I'm assuming if we said, Hey, we'd like to onboard a health coach on the backside, like you're saying that there's a training process in that of you helping us understand what that looks like and how to make those connections and that sort of thing. Exactly. Yep. Awesome. So if this is sounding great to people and they want to know more, point us to where to find you. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're a patient listening and you want to connect with us, go to our website, www.livenourishedcoaching, L-I-V-E-N-O-U-R-I-S-H-E-D coaching.com. There's a button on our website that says schedule a free consult. We would love to talk to you. If you're a practitioner going, oh my gosh, I need a health coach. Same thing. Go to our website. You'll see the work with me drop down, and then you'll see four practitioners. Um, click on that and you'll book a call directly with me. Um, I would love to get to know your practice. I would love to get to know how you practice and what you're looking for. And then we can talk about whether, you know, hiring direct a health coach is the right model, whether hiring an agency like Live Nourish is the right model and how to plug a health coach in, in a way that's going to increase the profitability of your practice, decrease your workload and dramatically improve patient outcomes. So either one, go to our website, click the right link. And I can't wait to talk to you. Awesome. Well, I will have that link attached to the show notes as well. Um, Hallie, I am super grateful for what you have created through Live Nourish and what you are passionate about, because this is something that we need as providers and we need to be able to provide to our patients as well, because this is what true health looks like. And it all comes when we work together. So I am so grateful for your passion and your expertise and time today. And we will hopefully stay connected in the future. And um, I just, I really appreciate who you are and what you're doing. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate who you are and what you're doing. It's so important. So thank you for having me, Krista. Absolutely. So listeners, check out Hallie, check out Live Nourish, and let's see how we can take our patient care to the next level. Everyone have a great week and I'll see you next time. Thanks Bye, for taking everybody. your valuable time to invest in yourself and listen to this episode. I hope it's been thought-provoking, empowering, and stirred your curiosity. If you've enjoyed this content, please click the subscribe button to catch new episodes 
or share this episode with your colleagues. To keep track of upcoming Bulletproof events and opportunities, visit bulletproofhygiene.com or better yet, join the Mighty Network Bulletproof Hygiene community to connect with like-minded dental professionals that share ideas, struggles, and wins. Have a great week, everybody.